Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm very pleased to have Allison Hertog as my guest today. Allison comes to the field of special education law from a unique position. Though she is one of only a handful of lawyers in the country who have master's degrees in special education, she was retained in the second grade, and her parents were told she would never go to college. As a child with learning disabilities who had fallen way behind her peers at an early age, she received special education herself. Though others did not have confidence in her abilities, at some level, Allison knew that she could achieve more. It's that motivation which drove her to become a special education teacher and then an attorney for special needs students. After graduating from Smith College, Allison went on to Columbia University Teachers College to get a degree in special education. She then graduated from Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. It was only after law school that she was formally diagnosed with learning disabilities. Allison recently moved to Los Angeles, California from Miami, Florida, where she had developed a thriving special education practice. She has taken the California bar exam and plans to open a law office in Los Angeles soon. Until then, she's representing Los Angeles parents of children with disabilities as an advocate and looks forward to hearing from parents who need her help. Welcome, Allison. And thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the important service you offer to those with special needs and disabilities. And thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and to be a part of this. And I hope that many parents listen to this podcast and are motivated or reinvigorated to tackle the the educational difficulties that um, students with disabilities often face. I hope so, too, and that is certainly the point. Uh, Now, I understand you went to law school in Los Angeles and have recently moved back to L.A., so tell me a little bit of what you've been up to since you left the city. Okay. Well, I went to law school originally to become a child advocate, And um, like many attorneys, um, after law school, they experiment with a few different legal career paths. I did the same, and then I came back to my passion, which is special education. So, but I did a stint in the House of Representatives, which were in Washington, D.C. That was fascinating. I worked for a boutique real estate firm in New York City. And then I realized that something was missing. (laughs) I went back to my roots, decided to combine my um, special education degree with my law degree, and that was the right decision for me. I opened my own firm, and um, I I find it really um, satisfying work, although sometimes difficult. Tell me more about what brought you to the field of special education law in the first place. Okay. Well, basically, I've been drawn to helping children with disabilities since I was in about middle school or high school. I worked in, like, day camps for disabled kids, for instance, and that sort of thing. I once took a a sign language class after school, but and I 
I thought that the reason why I was so motivated to work with children with disabilities was because I have a close family member who's learning disabled. Um, and I'm surely that um, was part of the reason why I, I was drawn to this field. But little did I know, it turned out that I myself um, had a learning disability. So I was actually drawn to a field which and which was looking to help people like myself, but I didn't at the time identify as someone with learning disabilities. I wasn't formally diagnosed in, with learning disabilities until I was in my 20s, but as you said in my introduction, I struggled in school from an early age. I was retained in the second grade. My parents were told I would never go to college. so. Um, I was actually driven to this field um, because at some level, even if I didn't realize it, I was trying to help myself. What do you find are some of the biggest challenges that you face in representing parents of children with special needs and disabilities? There are a lot of challenges, but the biggest one is dealing with the frustrations that the school districts bring. Um, you have to have a passion for this work, and I really think that passion has to come from a personal place, or you just you, you won't continue um, because it's just so... Uh, it can be so frustrating to um, deal with the school districts and the, the kinds of barriers they wittingly or unwittingly place in, in the way of parents. Um, I think to do, to do well in, as an advocate, you really have to like challenges and be motivated by them because that's what this is all about. School districts are layered with um, many types of personnel and personalities, and the personnel are often not given the resources or the authority or even the knowledge to help disabled kids, and that often makes them stand in the way of what advocates and parents are asking for. I totally agree with you. Um, I face those challenges myself, and it's not a lot of fun, and it makes such a huge difference to have someone on your side who understands what those challenges are, what they are, and how to get around them, and how to, to deal with all those things that you've just mentioned. Now, you've lived on both coasts. So, out of curiosity, in comparing Miami with Los Angeles, what are some of the differences that you've discovered in the field of special education? Well, it's interesting because on one level, there really isn't much difference between um, being an advocate in Miami or New York or Los Angeles or really any, particularly any large city. Um, students experience the same disabilities everywhere. 
and the same denial of help in school, and parents have the same frustrations no matter where you are. But that said, there are some differences um, that I found in my short time practicing in, the, in Los Angeles. And one interesting difference is that there's really a culture here of filing due process complaints against the school district, uh, whereas that culture isn't as prevalent in Florida. And there are many reasons for that, but, you know, some positive and some negative. But in, in the end, in, I think, in smaller, smaller cities um, and in places like Florida, the fact that due process is not filed as frequently means that more disputes are worked out at the school level meaning more can be worked out in IEP meetings. Um, whereas in California, sometimes it seems that things cannot be worked out at IEP meetings because school personnel who are present don't have, you know, as I was saying before, don't have the authority or the knowledge or the resources to resolve the disputes. So, um, parents are forced to take, you know, take matters into their own hands and filing due process. So that's one of the biggest differences that I see so far. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, so tell me, what do you feel in particular makes you an effective special education advocate? I think being able to relate to child clients is the biggest factor. So any time that I feel frustrated by this work, I bring myself back to the child who is at the center of the whole thing. And I think of that child struggling, feeling alone, feeling distraught, um, feeling misunderstood, and that's what motivates me to get my clients what they need. So, you know, having been in a position myself where as a child people thought I was incapable or slow, um, it allows me to um, empathize with what the child is going through and pushes me forward even when you know, the going gets tough, so to speak. Um, also, as a former special education teacher, I can see the, see the problems from the side of the teacher. Most teachers are really doing the best he or she can to help the child. I mean, there are always some bad apples, but I would say most teachers got into teaching because they care about kids and particularly those who are special education teachers, and there's fewer and fewer special education teachers, by the way. But um, I can see how difficult their job is, having once been a special education teacher. And so that allows me to creatively problem-solve disputes between parents and schools because I 
I understand that you can't ask for the world um, and you have to ask for something which a teacher can reasonably achieve. Well, no doubt you can understand it on a far different level, uh, another level than um, many others in your position, uh, especially based on all the experience that you've had, your personal experience as well. Um, Then what is the most important piece of advice that you would give to parents of special needs children? I would say that as soon as your child is old, old enough, tell your child that they have a disability. And the reason why I say that is because at some level, your child knows they're different. And maybe even their peers have sensed they are different as well. And so they're, so that, uh, so that the child is trying to, uh, and as every child does, try to understand him or herself as they grow up. And if they sense or know they are different, but they don't quite know why, that, um, that, that can lead to a lack of self-confidence. And um, so I suggest telling children, you know, in a sensitive way that they are different, but then also pointing out that obviously their strengths. Uh, and so rather than keeping the information from your child or letting them believe the worst, that, you know, they're stupid or unworthy, um, tell them the weakness and how you are helping them to overcome it. There are also some books that are written for children about how to cope with disabilities. Those kinds of books weren't around when I was a kid. Um, but now if you go on Amazon and you can find a whole host of different books trying to explain every disability under the sun to children, you know, as young as those who are um, looking at picture books. So those are helpful. And it will help the child you know, feel more control and stronger rather than, as some parents feel that keeping the information from them, they're kind of protecting them from feeling inadequate. But what I'm trying to say is that at some level, they know they're different, and if you don't share with them what that difference is, they will assume the worst, or they'll assume what people are telling them, meaning their peers or even teachers, unfortunately, what sometimes will tell a child that they're, you know, unworthy or slow. So I wish I had known about my disability earlier in life, but instead I felt misunderstood. I didn't, I, I couldn't fathom how it seemed that I could understand everything that the other kids could understand, but maybe I didn't raise my hand as quickly or um, I didn't read through the book as quickly as everyone else, but I could understand it. So it didn't compute in my head. And if I had known, I would 
earlier, I probably would have felt more confident. That's excellent advice, Allison, and uh, I really agree with you wholeheartedly on that. So at this point, I want to ask you, how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or they want to know more? Okay, so um, you can reach me at 310-266-8600 or by email at allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, at IEP solutions dot guru. <laughs> so it's IEP S O L U T I O N S dot guru. Guru G U R U, correct? Exactly. Okay. All right, and uh, do you want to repeat the phone number one more time also, or I can repeat it. I think you said 310-266-8600. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for your time and for sharing some great information with us today. Okay, anytime, and I'd be happy to come back again and talk about anything else. That would be fabulous, and you are welcome back anytime. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.